You're listening to the cycling podcast Femina, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. This is the cycling podcast Femina at the Women's Tour. Today, we're in Felixstowe. Well, that was actually the sound of celebration. You might have thought that that was the sound of, um, I don't know, some horrible crash, but the screaming and weeping and cheering was actually Valcar celebrating Elisa Balsamo's first victory as world champion here at the Women's Tour on stage six. Uh, well, we've just seen it. We've just finished uh, in Felixstowe. We're sitting now right actually on the beach. Yesterday, we kind of were on the prom, but this time we're actually on the sand. Lizzie's bike is very well protected on the sand. Is it, Lizzie, would you say? Yeah. Might be washed away. It, I'm trying not to get too much sand in my bottom bracket before I give it back to my team. Oh, we'll see how well that goes. <laughs> I'm keeping an eye on the tide, make sure that we get finished recording before the sea is lapping at our ankles here. And I'll just tell you now, that behind you, Lizzie, is the longest pier in Felixstowe. Would you believe it? I actually don't think that that can be possibly true. Surely there's a big industrial one on the docks oh, down the road. Actually, there's got yeah. to be. Just to say, I was really surprised by Felixstowe. I've been to Southend before. I've been to Clacton. Never been here before. And it's been an absolutely beautiful day, hasn't it? The sun has shone. It's been very mm. warm. It feels like almost the last day of the summer holidays. And here we are in early October. People have been on the beach. They've been enjoying fish and chips. And they've been watching the women's tour. Felix Fest is going to go on into the night. There's live music um, down in Mm. the little area where the race podium was. And uh, what a way to finish the women's tour here in Felixstowe. Um, I was expecting stacks of uh, container uh, shipping containers. Yeah, uh, so on was the, I actually. Dock, but it's not like that at all. And Lovely. the weather is actually probably. I would. I'm going to say that the weather's better than a normal women's tour I was one, say, I which think is in June. I, mean, I wasn't racing, but I think it's probably better than every day that I was racing in 2019. <laughs> it's quite incredible. But uh, Lionel, tell us what happened in that. That oh, I should say actually that we are announcing our peddlers to charm. Uh, winner later on in the in the show and did present her this morning with the Stacey Snyder mug so listen out for that but Lionel tell us what 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 happened well what happened was that it was stage six the final one from Haverhill to Felixstowe 155.3 kilometers making it the longest of the race and the bunch was all together more or less through the first queen of the mountains and intermediate sprint a few short-lived moves trying to get away before a significant break got clear it was Eugenia Bujak the Slovenian champion riding for Ale BTC Ljubljana who started it she was then joined by Danny Christmas of Drops Lecole Annie Santesteban of Bike Exchange and Veronica Ewers of Team Tidco and finally Sofia Bertizzolo of Live Racing bridged across but it did take her almost 20 kilometres Uh, to get across to the leading riders and make it five. There was a bit of drama with around 57 kilometres to go when the brake was stopped by a level crossing. Uh, A train passed by there. 
the peloton was subsequently held up so that the time gap could be re-established. The time gap was at its biggest at around about 2 minutes 55 and over the uh, second half of the stage it was coming down pretty efficiently. The peloton knew what they were doing really and with 13 or so kilometres to go the leaders were caught. As ever there were the forays uh, of riders trying to get away on the run-in. There was also a crash with, we think, a couple of kilometres to go. We'll hear a little bit more about that later on. But in the finish straight, which was a long, long straight road to the finish line here in Felixstowe, it was a reverse of yesterday's 1-2 with the world champion Elisa Balsamo denying Lorena Vibus her hat-trick. Vibus did clinch the points competition though chloe hosking was third that means she finishes the week with a second two thirds and a fourth but no win and then curiously some gaps opened up just behind in the sprint demi vollering of course had um, a minute and nine seconds in hand but as she crossed the line in 23rd place she actually lost 10 seconds of that advantage but she wins the women's tour by a minute and two seconds ahead of team dsm's juliet labou clara caponi of fdj was third making it two french riders on the podium and there was a small reshuffle in the bottom of the top 10 because josh loudon and chantal vandenbroek black were the wrong side of the split so alice barnes pfeiffer georgie and elise shabby all moved up 7th, 8th and 9th respectively Shabby also secured the Queen of the Mountains and Nina Kessler wrapped up the sprints SD Works were also the best team and I think 5 of their 6 riders were in something like the top 15 overall and uh, well Demi Vollering of course is the winner of the Women's Tour and she joins quite an illustrious list of riders who've won the race of course Mariana Voss, Lisa Brenauer Lizzie Armitstead then Lizzie Dignan, because she's won two uh, editions of the race either side of getting married. Cassia Nuva-Doma and Corinne Rivera. Now, as you said, um, Rose, she's got married very recently, in the last few days, I think. Now, Corinne Labecki. Uh, but there we are. What a fantastic race. To see the rainbow jersey coming down uh, the finish straight and winning the stage has given the race, I think, the ideal send-off, rather than a hat-trick win for Lorena Vibus. Oh, controversial. Well, let's hear from Elisa Balsamo because Lizzie Banks almost didn't get to the finish. We'll hear about that a little bit later on. But Lizzie, you did get to the finish to speak to the winner of the stage. And we're also going to hear from Chiara Consoni, her teammate, whose tears of joy you heard at the opening of the show. First win in the rainbow jersey. Look at that. That's pretty special, hey? Yes, it's a, today is a wonderful day. And this is not only a win, but a win with this jersey. And this is also my last race with, with, race with the Valkyrie Travelling Service. And yes, we end in the perfect way. And what's next for you now? This is the end of the season? Uh, yes, on road, yes. This was my last uh, race. And I already don't know for the Trek World Championship, but uh, I'm a little bit tired. Maybe I need some rest now. <laughs> Well, congratulations, Alicia. What a fine way to end your season. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, just after the finish, you girls have been working really hard for this win all week. And to get it in the yeah. rainbow jersey, it's a real team effort. Yeah, I'm so emotional because uh, it's the uh, last, uh, last, last race that, that Elisa is uh, in Balkar. We've grown together and I'm super happy because we have... Uh, a lot of years work together and help uh, each other and I'm super happy for, for her and for her new, new start. And you guys always 
work so well as a team. You guys work as if you are one of the top World Tour teams, but actually you're only a continental team. So what is it that makes the teamwork so special? Yeah, I think uh, the... Uh, the um, we are uh, we are uh, very close. Yes, we we are friends. We we sh we we showed uh, our uh, our personality and uh, our friendship. Well, I think you guys definitely deserve that win today. It's been coming all week. A couple of second places, but finally you've got the win. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you and uh, thank you. Yeah, thank enjoy you so much. It. Congratulations. Thank you. Still guessing on fueling. Not sure what or when to eat or drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Thank you very much to Super Sapiens for sponsoring our coverage of the Women's Tour and all episodes of the Cycling Podcast and the Cycling Podcast Feminin. Go to supersapiens.com to find out more about continuous glucose monitoring and how it can help you with your training and racing and managing your diet, I guess, for optimum performance. Now, optimum performance from Lizzie Banks today because she was out on the course checking out the, the climbs and the corners as ever and taking a ferry. We'll hear all about this in Lizzie's recon and we'll find out just how close she came to missing the finish. Day six of Lizzie's Recon and we are in sunny Suffolk today. It is a beautiful day to be riding bikes and well that is a pretty good thing because the riders have got 155 kilometres on the menu today. Starting over in the west of the county at Haverhill the riders will be heading generally east towards Wickham Market and nearly the seaside before they dive south down to Felixstowe for a fast run in to the finish. So what else have we got? Well from riding the course today we've got the most significantly rolling roads that we've seen since Banbury. As a Yorkshire woman there aren't any big climbs in there but roads like this can cause fatigue. There's a lot of twists and turns and we've got a lot of tired legs in here. The sprints jerseys and the QOM jerseys are nailed on the shoulders of Nina Kessler and Elise Shabby but the sprint points still have bonus seconds on the line and with a little jigsaw puzzle for a fight on the podium it's going to be interesting to see if Amy Peters can knock Clara Caponi off the podium and take that third place away from her, or perhaps whether Clara Caponi can jump up into second and overtake Juliette Labou. Well, look who I found on course, Peter Georgie, the father of Pfeiffer Georgie. Well, Pfeiffer's been having a fantastic week this week. I mean, to be honest, she's been having a fantastic season and this is just the culmination of that. Um, you must be a very proud dad watching her out on the road. I, it, very, very proud. I mean, it's really good to see her this week. I mean, she rode Roubaix, obviously, like a lot of the riders this week. Um, she crashed twice, so she came into it tired and bruised and, you know, she's tired during the, the week. But the team are doing really well. They've had two wins so far and, you know, she's an essential part of that lead out and really rejoices when the team win. So, yeah, it's been really good. Um, I haven't really seen a race because of COVID, like most people haven't seen the race. And I got the, I was really lucky to be able to take her out to the race that she won in, in Formio. So her first professional win was the first race I'd seen her ride for 
you know, like 18 months. And I was there when she won her first race. So actually, you know, as a, as a father, as a parent, that was a pretty cool thing to do. So yeah, that's a really special moment. I mean, now it's it's so rare that we can have, um, you know, fans and family at the races anyway. But to, to happen to be there for the first one is amazing. Well, things are looking good heading into nationals next week. It's pretty good preparation. And she seems to be coming into fine form at exactly the right time. Uh, yeah, you'd hope so. I think, you know, um, the only thing is maybe some of them are a little bit tired. This this week is harder, you know, than people were expecting maybe and after Roubaix. But who knows? It's a week away and, you know, it's the end of the season. There's only a few more races. I mean, I think everyone's excited for nationals. So that's that's the main thing. It's, that uh, you know, there's the time trial, you know, split under 23 categories as well, which is great. Um, and, you know, the road race on Lincoln Grand Prix, you know, circuit, which is a fantastic, you know, it's one of the iconic races in the UK. So, you know, there's going to be a big buzz there, I think, you know, and hopefully the weather will hold. Back out on the course now, and it really is a beautiful area to ride through. A lot of picturesque British villages. Bunting is already up and out in force. A lot of Flintstone studded churches and houses. And whilst that's beautiful for us to look at, it can be problematic for the riders because the flints here, they get washed into the road and they're really your worst enemy when it comes to trying not to puncture. Well, what about a breakaway today? Well, the length of the course is both in its favour and in its downfall. It's a long way for a breakaway to go today, but it's also a long way for the bunch to control it. And is there going to be anyone else besides DSM willing to control when it's been clear over the past couple of days that Lorena Vibas is reigning supreme? Well, as you can probably hear from the background noise, I'm not riding my bike, I am on a ferry. Well, I've been on a bit of a shoosh patat today or a wild goose chase. In true cycling podcast style, I went on a culinary detour. <laughs> now, Daniel would be proud. I went off to the little village of Orford, not to visit a vineyard, but to visit a sourdough bakery. Unfortunately, once I got there, they didn't have anything left. So no bags of bread, but I thought I had bags of time. But once I finally got a signal again and checked the race on Twitter, I realised that I had the same number of kilometres as they did. So I've done another detour down to the Felixstowe foot ferry. And whilst the riders are, have got almost 10 kilometres to go, I'm crossing the river and have five kilometres to race them to the finish. Well, I made it to Felixstowe just as the riders did. It's a brilliant atmosphere down here. It's a real party on the beach. And what a way to finish the women's tour. Shoot that arrière du peloton, cycling podcast, team car, the back of the pack, please. That's Seb Piquet, the voice of Radio Tour, to remind me to tell you that this episode of our Women's Tour coverage is sponsored by NordVPN. Now, if you don't know what a VPN is, it's a virtual private network, and it keeps you and your information safe online. And while we've been travelling around here at the Women's Tour, I've been online uploading our audio files, and I've been using uh, various public Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi in the press room or in our hotel or just tethering up to my phone and it's not the most secure way to go about your business unless you are also connected up to NordVPN which basically keeps all of your data secure from hackers who might be uh, trying to intercept your signal. And it comes into its own, really, if you're doing anything of a financial nature. And as it turned out, I had a reminder this morning to renew my car insurance. And so I logged on and I renewed my car insurance securely, safely, 
knowing that the NordVPN software was keeping all of my card details safe. So if you want to try out NordVPN, go to nordvpn.com slash TCP, that's TCP for the Cycling Podcast, or use the code CYCLE at nordvpn.com, and you can get up to 73% off a two-year subscription. Now back to the cycling, and this year we have been collating the audio diaries from three young riders, Joe Laverick, Red Waters, and Mayo Van Hulouf, who has had a string of top 10 results in the sprints here this week, and she sent us in an audio diary update this afternoon. Hello guys, this was my season. I am done. Um, I'm just traveling to the airport in uh, Stansted, going to, um, yeah, go back home and have off season. I am really ready for it. I'm really done. Um, But yeah, we finished women's tour and it was amazing. I had the best week um, of my career so far, which is yeah uh, it's a dream Uh, it was amazing especially thinking back a few weeks ago that was just with my knee injury and um, yeah I was terrible um, at that moment and I was thinking that I can finish off the season like I wanted to and yeah now 13th in Roubaix and uh, the last three days were as planned actually Um, the first three days I had to take pretty easy from the team just to be sure that in these last three stages I could really target a good result and got fifth on the fourth fourth stage got third in the fifth stage and got um, seventh today in the last stage so three top tens in three days and I'm really happy never never performed this well in a world tour race so um, yeah I'm just just over the moon got a tenth place on GC with Joss um, I think, yeah, the team is, is beyond happy, um, and I am, yeah, I didn't expect um, to perform like this at the end of the season, so, yeah, it's amazing. We will be putting those audio diaries together for another episode for Friends of the Podcast soon, so look out for that. Go to thecyclingpodcast.com to see what else is available for Friends of the Podcast, and perhaps sign up and support us. Well, as we said, uh, a fine way to finish the women's tour with the world champion coming across the line first, Elisa Balsamo getting her first win in Rainbow Stripes. And this is actually only her third win uh, this year. So one of them being the world championships itself. And to follow that up in within two weeks with her second win is mightily, mightily impressive. And also her last race for Valcar before going to Trek Segafredo. I was wondering, had a rider won a stage of the women's tour wearing the rainbow jersey before? And the answer is no. Balsamo is the first rider to actually cross the line first wearing the rainbow jersey. Not actually the first world champion to win a stage because Mariana Voss won when she was world champion in 2014. But she was wearing the points jersey when she won her first stage and then the leader's jersey when she won her other two stages Oh, it's all on a technicality. Ah, it really is. And uh, Lizzie Armitstead was world champion in 2016 when she won in Chesterfield but she was wearing the blue best British rider jersey so that is the first time you were you were I was about to pick you up because I was there in Chesterfield (laughs) when Lizzie Dignan crossed the line and I said I was thinking what is he talking about she was the world champion but you're right it's a technicality it's brilliant when uh, Corrections Corner can just be sort of rebuffed (laughs) with uh, with some facts (laughs) some actual correct it's good when yeah it's actually correct in the first place is basically what we're saying for once (laughs) 
and it, it does. Helps. Yeah, it's a great way to finish, isn't it? Because seeing the world champion win a road race is is always one of those moments. It doesn't necessarily happen all that often, and it adds something. Um, you know, that's one of those pictures that we'll look back at in years to come. A, a very impressive win, and we could obviously hear how much it meant to Valcar because they have, as you were saying last night, I think, Lizzie, how much they put into getting it right. It's taken them till the last day, but they are not one of the powerhouses of the peloton, are they? No, they always ride above their status, and I'm so happy to see them get the win after two second places. And, uh, I mean, what a great image for the women's tour to be able to to have and to, to promote the women's tour next year, to have the world champion going across the line in first place. I think it's just wonderful, and I think when I was talking to them after the bu- after the stage at the bus, they were all just so elated, just continuing to party after the finish line back at the bus, and... Were they tucking into fish and chips, Lizzie? Because I saw one of their swannies taking like three massive bags of fish and chips from one of the shops. And I was thinking, well, surely that can't just be going to stuff. It must be, the riders must be tucking in as well. But Well, end of season. Why not? Perfect place to end, by the beach, fish and chips. Perfect way to start the off season. Start I, as you mean to go on, I think. Well, exactly. As long as none of them are riding some like Ronda Van Drenter or something later on. In well, week, actually, Lisa Balsamo did tell me that she's off to track worlds now. Oh, so right. She's pretty tired, <laughs> but um, she's, uh, yeah, so she, maybe no fish and chips for Lisa Balsamo. But they are such a, a close-knit team, aren't they? And, and you know, I think people would be surprised uh, to have heard right at the top of the show, Chiara Consoni like weeping. She was sobbing and we- weeping. And it wasn't even her that won, but, you know, they have, they have a, a structure that's been together for a long time. Chiara Consoni and Elisa Balsamo have been uh, teammates for four years. Balsamo has been at that team for five years. So obviously, I think it means a lot to get one of the biggest wins um, of her career. Or, you know, two huge wins. Well, the first, the biggest win as, a, in, as part of the trade team, Valkar, uh, right at the end uh, of her time with them. I think that's, that's really special. It's the same spirit in that Italian trade team that we saw in the, ta- the Italian national team at the World Championships. We saw the way, you know, they all had their hands on their hearts singing the Italian national anthem. And it's the same thing over in Valkar. And this is actually the final race they're doing in those Valcar Travel and Service jerseys together. So this is the final team race. Uh, some riders will go off to do the, the, the track champs, but it's uh, yeah, final race on the road together. So I think it's such a special and deserving way for them to end because throughout the season they have ridden exceptionally well together. Now we thought that actually today there would be uh, a lot of breaks going, a lot of attacks. And I think that there were a, a, a lot of at- attacks attempted, but probably not so many that actually uh, got any distance. There was uh, one break away that you mentioned at the top of the show uh, Lionel which was a, a five uh, woman break um, that managed to get a, a few minutes but they were kind of always quite well controlled um, the last person going over we said earlier was Sophia Butt Solo uh, and she's actually uh, right she rides for Live Racing and they came to this race with five riders and they've been two riders for the last I think three or four stages Soraya Par- Paladin and uh, Sophia but it's solo. Um, so they've been having to be uh, attacking at every opportunity. They haven't been sitting back at all. But I spoke to Sophia uh, at the finish and this is what she had to say. Uh, so Sophia, you were in the break today. Can you tell us what happened? Well, one by one, uh, some ladies attacked. Then I tried to jump on a climb and it actually it was long to get uh, in, the, um, in the group of the four because they, they were already going uh, full gas. So it took long to me and I suffer also in the, in the later um, work together. Yeah, we gained a lot of time and these uh, 
was uh, not good for the GC because then uh, I think one girl from the breakaway jumped uh, first overall and I was third or fourth, I don't know. So this was the problem. So many teams tried, started to chase and later all the work was in the, in the hand of Valkar and the SM for the sprint. So yeah, they made it back uh, the last 20k. I mean, you and Soraya have been so active just being the two of you, how hard has it been just being a team of two? Yeah, it's hard because actually you have to react three times uh, uh, the the way, that the time that uh, the other team does. But uh, we were so unlucky this week with a broken collarbone, two crashes and the sickness from uh, already from Roubaix. So yeah, since the second stage we're only two. And but yeah, it's not easy to. You cannot play the game in the in the bunch. You just have to attack, and we don't have a sprinter. So uh, yeah, our job was to to be active in the in the race. And what was the plan originally when you had? Well, you only, you only started with five riders, but when you had five riders, what was the plan then? And how? What was the plan now? So normally we should have started with Lotte, but she wasn't recovering so well. So from Roubaix, so originally we had to go for GC for Lotte. Then we tried to break away or sprinting with Alison Jackson. And later, yeah, it was just two of us, so it was just breakaway, breakaway. And I tried to sprint sometimes here, but I cannot compete with the poor sprinter that is in this kind of punch. Yeah, it's not unusual in a race where there's only six starters and in some cases five or four starters to be down to two. But I always wonder what the dynamic must be like uh, in a team. Uh, there's, it's something that also happens on... Uh, men's stage races as well. Once you're down to two riders, I mean, you've got all of the staff. Uh, they also you know, have a huge, but like, you know, not every team has a huge bus, but Liv actually has a huge bus and a huge bike truck. One at the back, one at the front, <laughs> loads of room, space to spread out, a dedicated uh, mechanic each maybe. Or I don't know, would, would the team have more than one mechanic on a, on a race like this, Lizzie? Or? It really depends. I mean, if you're coming with a, a smaller roster, then you may only bring one. But we had this exact situation at, in 2019 when I was racing. We started with four riders because of injury and illness and we lost one of our riders julie left in this huge horror crash and so we were down to three riders for the last four days of the race but we still had a phenomenal performance and we had a really great time because i think when it gets to the point where you have less riders in the race nobody looks at you and nobody's saying well you've got to do the work and so you've you've kind of got a bit of a wild card and it was leah thomas and i who were working off of each other we had martina alzini to support us and we ended up getting some great results because we just thought well what have we got to lose so we just kind of went for it and and went on some really wild attacks and and had a good time and got good results because Bertit Solo and Paladin have basically taken it in turns to try to do something haven't they and uh, I guess it simplifies it basically a toss of a coin in the morning or who's got the best legs who feels like going for it today and then that simplifies everything they know exactly what they're what they're trying to do but uh, um, yeah the run-in which we obviously didn't see but we heard the the aftermath of the crash and uh, I think Lizzie you were trying to find out exactly what happened and and uh, where it happened yeah I was talking to the riders after the finish um, just before they were going on to the podium and I was trying to find out what was going on and nobody wanted to talk about it and and now you know I can I can really relate to that because I've been in that situation when you've had or you've seen a real horror crash and it takes you a good while to kind of come around after that because all you can think about is seeing that crash and 
hoping that everybody who was in it is okay and it is such a horrible feeling and I said oh you know what happened and then you know we didn't see and they just said you don't want to see so I'm hoping firstly everybody that went down is okay I know that um, I was speaking to Elise Shabby and she was particularly worried about Hannah Barnes and Ella Harris but I actually saw them crossing the line afterwards so I spoke to Ella Harris as well when she was picking up an ice cream and a coffee after the stage and uh, thankfully she was okay but I also spoke to Sophie Wright who told me about what actually happened in the crash basically in like the final 2k um, there was this central you know this central island Traffic island and um, and all I saw ahead of me was this one girl basically go from left to right pretty much horizontal and then like people came down they ended up actually on the pavement and I was just like I've got such a sore throat from just screaming because you know to warn people but also in case people like pile into the back of me as well Um, but yeah so I don't know 10 riders maybe all in a pile Um, it's it's just horrible to see yeah because there was there was a fight for the final one and a half K where you had a double left turn. So, um, you know, everyone was going full gas and then, yeah, this happens. Well, we should, of course, uh, talk about the winner of the whole week, the overall winner, Demi Vollering, who won by a huge margin. Obviously, we kind of expected it after that time trial. Um, she picked up such an advantage there that we, even then we kind of knew that it would be inescapable for, for anyone else to, uh, for her to lose it, to be honest. And, uh, you know, uh, barring um, some kind of a huge accident. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Demi Vollering because what a season she's having. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I spoke to Demi after the finish and I said, did you expect this coming here? And she said she didn't expect it, but she did really want it. And when she went out and did the time trial, she did two recons and that really paid off because it was so technical. And although it would have been nice for them to also have Amy Peters on the podium because she was only a few seconds off in the end and she could have actually closed that to Clara Capone if they'd had the right uh, makeup of Amy Peters getting the sprint bonuses and Clara Capone not getting them. Um, but for them to get two stage wins and the overall here i mean it's 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 perfect for the end of their season really yeah i mean it really has been a breakthrough season for volleying i mean it must have been difficult for a younger rider she's only 24 to have effectively lost a year and a bit through um you know one way or the other through the the covid pandemic because obviously women's racing was hit harder than men's racing wasn't it last year during um the pandemic more cancellations um and this year she has just well from the spring onwards she's uh she, she's really made a name for herself if you look back at her results sixth in strada bianca fifth in the tour of flanders and then remember that brabantse pale where she was second in a photo finish which had all of us scratching our heads and asking how do the photo finish pictures actually work because it did appear like she was ahead of ruth winder but uh i i can remember a long technical explanation from a photography expert telling me that that's not actually a still photo of the finish it's a photograph that captures time gaps and so uh, it was accurate yeah anyway um, and then second at Amstel Gold behind uh, Mariana Voss you know obviously still a great rider um, but then won Liège-Baston-Liège out sprinting you know Van Vluten Longo Borghini and Nuva Doma no um, you know no slouches any of those riders really and then third in the Giro which I think underlines just how strong SD works are because Van der Bregen and Moulman Passio were first and second and then to come here and uh, well it was a time trial obviously that sealed the race for her uh, but such a strong team working for her I mean you know I spoke to Danny Stam the sports director afterwards and asked whether 
uh, he thought it was done and dusted after the time trial and he was, uh, you know, played it right down and said, no, you just never know until uh, the end. And then I asked him whether there'd been any nervous moments. No, to be honest, not. We had a solid uh, time trial and... Uh uh, we had Damien in the front with one minute, one minute and nine. But also our fourth rider was from the from the general was okay and the sixth. So we had actually pretty uh, good uh, a good classement to defend. And uh, yeah, actually we were never in panic. Today was a good breakaway from five riders, so we we set a, a steady speed. And uh, for us it was okay when they stay out for two minutes. So that was all in control. Tell me a bit about Demi because it's been a, an incredible year for her. Uh, thinking back to the Spring Classic, she was second, very close at Brabantse Peel and second at Amstel Gold and then won Liège, Baston Liège. But to win a, a six-day stage race after being on the podium in the Giro as well, I mean, where does this victory rank? Well, I think Demi shows uh, the, the complete year already that she makes uh, big steps. And uh, I think for a rider from her age, uh, she just shows that... Uh, that she's absolutely uh, top on the moment. If you can be uh, good from 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 the spring classics till the end of October or half mid October, yeah, then I think uh, you arrived on the top level. Uh, Van Vluten has obviously got a bad injury at the moment, but is uh, 39, I think, and Mariana Voss is 34, and even uh, Anna van der Breggen 31. It is uh, Demi Vollering the, f- the future of Dutch cycling. I think that cycling, yeah, there's. Uh, She's one of the future. I think there is uh, more. You can see that there is more young riders coming up, and uh, actually, you see that there is a complete generation change. And uh, I think that is uh, really good uh, for the women's cycling. And what about the rest of the team? Because it's tricky, isn't it? They have to defend the lead and make sure nothing happens, but it also means that they can't perhaps um, try to do something themselves in uh, in the final stages. So, riding a support role when you've got so many good riders. Um, Christine and uh, Chantal, you know, how do you sort of manage that situation? Do you have to say, well, your your turn will come in other races? Oh, I think uh, the commitment in this team is, is is that good, and we have so many respect for each other, and we also know that uh, it's give and take, and uh, that is actually what what is still going on on this moment. If you see over the la- the season this year, I think. Uh, 11 or 12 riders from our team win a race and uh, that, that says actually enough and uh, yeah it, it's, it's a close group together and uh, yeah they, they love to work for each other and lastly how did the women's tour feel to you this year the crowds were, were really good today and um, the weather's improved it's nice for early October yeah I think the, the grout and the weather are uh, extremely uh, extremely good yeah and uh, that's always nice to finish a race uh, with kind of this kind of weather because it's the end of the season and you can see that uh, the riders are pretty tired and that makes it much uh, easier when the, when the weather and the crowd is uh, around it. So all under control for Demi Vollering and Danny Stam and the SD Works riders and well what do you think Lizzie? I mean Vollering looks like the, the sort of next in line of the great Dutch riders. I mean uh, Annemiek van Vluten is uh, going to be recovering from that injury from Paris-Roubaix, but she's 39. Marianne Vos is 34 and Anna van der Bregen is 31. But Demi Vollering has years ahead of her. This year, I mean, from what I've seen, Demi Vollering has gone under, under the tutelage of Anna van der Bregen and she mm. has just 
she was already there, but then she has refined everything that she needed to to make sure she is always there and she is always somebody who needs to be looked out for and need we need to be concerned about. And she had such a fantastic spring. And for me, I think the, the moment that really cemented her was her win at La Course by La Tour de France because that is such a statement race, even if it's not what we want as women in the peloton and we're going to get what we want next year. Um, I think the way that she won there, the way that Anna van der Breggen worked for her, kind of, you know, passing the torch over to her. I felt like it was quite a significant moment, really, and a statement to say, yeah, I've won Liège. Look, I'm here. This is what I'm going to do. And and I'm now going to be the new leader of ST Works going forward, whether she likes it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Better put it to her first. Sorry, (laughs) Danny. But I think that's what is uh, so spectacular about all of those kind of uh, top 10 finishes, top 20 finishes, uh, when she hasn't necessarily got the win. But that's because a lot of the time she was getting those uh, top 10 finishes while still working for Anna van der Breggen and allowing Anna van der Breggen to be in the position to get the win and still finishing uh, in the top 10. So in a way, we haven't actually seen... uh, the full power of Demi Vollering yet because she hasn't been in that situation where she has been just the the sole leader in all of those races like in the Ardennes Classics obviously she won Liege Baston Liege this year but uh, you, you know um, in other years Anna van der Breggen would have been the sole leader through that whole week whereas we might see next year Demi Vollering getting that opportunity. I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic to watch next year because this year with SD Works and previously with Bowles Dolmans, they have always relied on having numbers in the final. And if you have numbers in the final, you can play the game. You can send one rider up. If they come back, you can send another. And I think we saw in the uh, Ardennes week a few years ago now when uh, it was Anna van der Brecken Lizzie Dagnan second and Cassian Iverdoma third every single day because Bols Dolmans as they were then they always had those two there and Kasia was always outnumbered and that's how they've played it this year but next year they're losing Anna van der Brecken now and they, they're losing Chantal van der Brecken Black after the classics next year and those are two huge powerhouses so I wonder how that is going to change the dynamic of the team. Well, it's fantastic that you mentioned Chantal Vanderbrook Black there, Lizzie, because I actually spoke to her a bit about Demi Vollering, um, who's come to the team, joined the, the team this year at SD Works from Park Hotel Valkenburg, who actually, I should say, actually, Park Hotel Valkenburg, um, their alumni have really um, cleaned up this week because Lorena Vibus is obviously one of their um, former riders and so is Demi Vollering. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great sign for a development team like that. Not that they've done anything actually on the race themselves this week. But anyway, Chantal Vanderbrook Black, I uh, spoke to her. She's going to become a DS at SD Works after the spring, as Lizzie says, when she retires. Uh, and I spoke to her about being on the team with Demi Vollering. Well, Chantal, congratulations to the team for Demi's victory. Did everything go as planned? Was that the plan for the week? Yeah, yeah, well, um, the first two days were uh, two aggressive days and we also tried to sit in the break and then after the time trial, for us, it was pretty clear to defend the jersey because we also knew those last three stages are hard for breakaways and there were many sprinters teams. So our goal was to keep the jersey and to uh, keep Amy um, safe for the sprint and Demi for the... Jersey, of course. And what's it been like being on a team with Demi this year? Because she's just come into SD Works this year and has made such an impression on everyone. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she made a really big step, I think, uh, this year. 
and for the future, yeah, we, um, we're going to see a lot from her. <laughs> what do you think her biggest strengths are as, as a rider? Um, yeah, she's pretty much a climber, but she's also explosive. So I think she can also sprint um, and she, she's a killer. She, <laughs> she want to win, uh, but she still has to learn a lot. But uh, I think that's nice. I mean, they're the, they're, she can still make big steps. And you're becoming a, a DS next year. How exciting is it to have a talent like Demi on the team to be a DS for? Yeah, it's really excited. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm really happy to, to learn her uh, everything. Uh, but not only Demi, we have more talented riders. And um, yeah, it's going to be totally different, but it's nice to work with. And are you excited about uh, retiring or nervous about it? Because oh. it, as it gets closer. <laughs> yeah, it's getting closer now. Well, I'm still, I'm, I feel still a cyclist. I, I'm retiring next year, or well, after the spring. So I still have to do a whole winter and all the spring classics. Um, and it's also races what suits me. So I will do everything to be good there. And then after I will see. And I have time enough to learn everything. So. <laughs> and has Anna van der Breggen kind of taught you anything about China because she loved you know seeing her at the world champs enjoying her last race have you learned anything from seeing her retire already just a few months before you will yeah I, I learned that I um, still need to enjoy yeah. it I think but I, I do so that's that's easy and but I also like to retire uh, that, that I'm still in a good shape and, and play for the wins so that's why I also choose to stop after the spring the cycling podcast Femina is supported by science in sport Science in Sport, fueled by science. Well, thank you very much to Science in Sport for uh, sponsoring us, for supporting uh, the cycling podcast, the whole cycling podcast family. And we're actually a trio of cycling podcasters who have come from uh, different elements of the cycling podcast family, haven't we? And we've been, you know, united together. So thank you, Science in Sport, for bringing us all together as well. The cobbles have been cemented into pave. Oh, oh, perfect, Lizzie. Beautiful. It's sort of like the World Championships, isn't it? When the trade team riders all come together to make some absolute powerhouse. We're like the, we're like the Dutch team, basically, aren't we? The, we're like the Italian team. Or the Italian oh, team. Oh, yes. Yeah, there we are. We've got the Cycling Podcast Feminine, um, Service Course, of course, and, uh, well, the, the regular, the ordinary show, the ordinary <laughs> one. that normal yeah, the ordinary thing. One. It's going like, to be like going back to work next week when I have to, <laughs> when I have to do the ordinary one. <laughs> Well, thank you, Science and Sport, for uh, yeah, supporting Team Cycling Podcast, should we say. Uh, and if you want to get 25% off uh, all of the Science and Sport products, then go to scienceandsport.com and you type in the code. Are you going to do it this time, Lionel? I'm just going to say it's SISCP25. And actually, coming up over the next few weeks, I'm doing a sort of TV chef-style taste test on a lot of Science and Sport products. I'm getting Ooh. back on my bike, starting tomorrow in fact and i will be taking all of my science and sport products with me and over the next few weeks i will be um, giving them subjecting them to the taste test because i think the taste of the these products is actually really important because if you especially if you're racing you've got to have something that is palatable and enjoyable and kind of you're looking forward to if you're thinking right i need to force down another gel or bar for the final of the race it's got to be something you want to eat well if you feel like me that Lionel has talked his way out of that I've got I'm gonna bring in um, uh, the singer of the earworm to make sure this gets in your head SISCP25 SISCP25 CP25 CP25 SISCP25 Come and try it. 
Well, what was that? Absolutely <laughs> appalling racket. No, not the singing of the science in sport uh, <laughs> discount code. That electronic hum and, and just bombardment of the senses was me wandering around the amusement arcade on the end of Felix Do Pier a little bit earlier this afternoon while Lizzie was out doing the recon and Rose was also working hard I was uh, I was spending the cycling podcast budget on the slot machines and the little casino machines and and I even had a go at a little basketball game where you try to win a prize by um, shooting the ball into the basket but everything seems to be rigged against you in these places I can't this is this is it's impossible to win (laughs) Have you only just realised that? (laughs) I know. (laughs) So naive. (laughs) Well, talking about prizes, of course, you know, forgetting the overall classification at the women's tour, the big prize this week is the Peddlers to Charm and Stacey Snyder's beautiful uh, custom handmade mug, which says Peddlers to Charm on it. I was the lucky one that got to go and award it this morning to Nina Kessler. And you're saying, why did Nina Kessler get it? Because we spotted that um, as the Sprints jersey winner, and she has actually had that jersey, I think, from the beginning. From day one. From yeah. day one. She's had it from day one. And uh, every day she's been going to the podium, getting these beautiful bouquets of flowers. And, um, well, I've been told it's not champagne. It's non-alcoholic sparkling wine. But anyway, uh, what looks like champagne. And afterwards, she's been giving it out to stewards, uh, who are all volunteers here at the race, uh, and fans and spectators that have come to, come to support. So, um, yeah. This is what she had to say when I gave her the mug. Uh, well, Nina, I'm from the Cycling Podcast, and uh, I'm proud to say that you have been chosen as our Peddlers de Charme. Yeah, that's great. That's cool. That's an honour. Oh. The Peddlers de Charme is awarded to someone who's done something particularly charming that we spotted in the week, and we thought you giving away your champagne and your flowers to the stewards uh, this week would be honourable. So this is an exclusive uh, handmade Aww. mug for you. That's so cool. I'm really... I got Look, I got goosebumps. This is really cool. This will definitely get a special place. I'm not going to give this away. No, this is really cool. I'm honoured. Thank you. You're very welcome. And Nina, how was the week? This is obviously not the only thing that you're taking home uh, today. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, after the first day, I got the jersey and we defended really well. Uh, so I'm really happy about that. It was hard the first couple of days, but... I'm happy we took like the most of the p- points the first day, so we're safe for today. I just need to f- to finish, so that's that's our goal <laughs> today. And what is it like being in a race for a, a sprints jersey when you know the race is not necessarily at the finish line, but it's going on all the time? Yeah, of course, you know you want to end up like high in uh, in a stage, but um, we were going for the points, and then it's hard because there are like there were like in the beginning a lot of uh, sprints during the race, and in this level of racing, it's hard to like go full gas in every sprint. You have to make a decision. So I definitely today I'm gonna try for the final, but I'm just really honored to have the jersey and now have have this one as well. <laughs> even more special. No, I, I don't say that, but it feels it feels special, <laughs> definitely. And did you manage to speak to any of the stewards and the people that you were giving away your uh, wine and your flowers to? Um, I, I actually do. Like uh, the women where I gave my flowers to uh, three days ago, she texted me on Instagram, and I was like so so sweet. And the, the stewards as well. They said, "Yeah, we we uh, finished your wine after dinner." And like. 
That's good because you are doing an awesome job. And also, I actually don't know his name, but the guy that's always standing at the parking place and he's like dancing and I'm always getting like, I don't know, I get enthusiastic when I see him. And uh, so I told him yesterday, like, you just give me a smile on my face every time I enter the parking place. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's just nice to do something back for them. Well, today was also a notable day for Trixie Warrack, who is the Trek Segafredo uh, rider. She's kind of like the team captain, and she's been that had that kind of position for many years there. Uh, but this was her last day racing before she retired. She was actually going to retire at Paris Bay last Saturday, uh, but then got a very late call up to join us at the women's tour. But it was really nice actually at the start. At the sign-on, the other Trek Segafredo uh, riders had all got had written on their uh, dossards, um, thanks Trixie and uh, Dankeschön Trixie, um, in tribute to her, because obviously she's been, uh, well, she's been a, a part of the peloton for so many years, hasn't she? Yeah, a very long career, Rose. I think 16 or 17 years at the top level. A world championship silver medalist behind Mariana Voss in, I think, 2006. And she also won the last ever edition of the Primavera Rosa, which is basically the women's version, or was the women's version, of Milan Sanremo. And uh, she finished just ahead of Nicole Cook. So one of those riders that has just almost been ever-present, really. And uh, a big figure in the German team, especially back in the day when... Um, uh, Ina Tutenberg was also in that German team. They were they were always one of the teams to watch, weren't they? So, um, yeah, wonder what the future holds for Trixie Warrack and whether perhaps one day we'll see her in a team car in a some kind of management capacity, sports director capacity. Yeah, her reputation has been built uh, not so much on on wins, although she has had um, forty seven pro wins. I've been uh, reliably googled um between 2001 and 2018 but you know it's it's more her kind of uh, presence as a as a road captain um as a person who's so knowledgeable about the races um that she's really had such an influence uh, but i spoke to her this morning uh, on her very last race Trixie, you've been in the peloton for so many years now. How does it feel this being your last outing? Yeah, I don't know. I, I was pretty relaxed the last week, but now I'm getting sad. Um, the girls show me that they put the name on the number, and yeah, I had some good good years. Are there any moments that stand out particularly in all those years? Ah, you know, I had pretty much up and downs, and I had so many good years, so it's hard to pick. It's really hard to pick. And what are you going to do after this? Uh, I will stay in cycling. I will become a trainer for junior and women. So I will be around. Maybe not next year in the World Tour, but they will see me, I think. Do you think you'll miss the racing, the adrenaline? Yeah, for sure I will miss it. But, you know, now I'm 40 and I was thinking for a long time to finish my season this year, uh, my career this year. So, yeah. I was prepared for that. And how much has women's cycling changed since the time that you started? What was what was your first race and when was it? Do you remember? Uh, my first race, no, I can't remember. But I I was in women's in 2000. Was my first year after juniors, so it changed a lot. Like much more professional 
we had, when I started professional cycling in my first team, we had maybe two professional teams, big teams, and the rest was Conti teams, and now you can see it's much bigger, the bunch got much bigger, races got longer and faster, so there was a big progress. And do you feel like there's quite a few notable people retiring this year? Do you think there's kind of a big generational change this year with, you know, the younger riders now being handed over the baton? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you also can see every year there are coming new riders and also young riders winning races. So, I mean, it's normal that people retire and you have a complete new genera generation. So it's good for women cycling. Well, as we sit here watching the sunset on our week at the women's tour. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Couldn't, could have oh, not put that one in. We, we started with tears at the beginning of the show. Are we going to end with tears? Is that how well, we did say we Well, tears of joy at the beginning, sobbing. wasn't it? And, well, I don't know if anyone feels like crying with joy. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. Maybe you two are going to have a quiet word once I'm out of earshot. Um, but from my point of view, I've had an absolutely brilliant week. It's been fantastic um, to work with the two of you for the first time really and i think we've you know, we've put we've cobbled together a, a decent outfit i think here. Oh, i thought it was better than that lionel come on well I, you know, I mean i'm sort of eeyore-ish about nearly everything so i mean <laughs> you know take that up a few notches for a normal person lizzie and, uh, will take it up a few notches. if someone can take something up a few notches it's lizzie well i mean for me it's been a very very different week it's been the first time that i've been at a bike race and been working not as a rider and so seeing the other side of the race and asking the riders questions going into the media center a mixed zone i don't think i even knew what a mixed zone was until I, before i came to this race it was just somewhere that you went through as a rider what's the most surprising thing you found lizzie this week how hard it is to get information out of riders mm. you know i feel like as a rider if somebody asks me something i just tell them what they want <laughs> and it can be really difficult to get the riders that you want to get what you want out of the riders and it's been so busy you know when you're a rider all you have to worry about is riding your bike everything else is done for you but here i didn't have anybody making me breakfast that, that's a lie actually i didn't have anyone carrying my bags anyone washing my bike no i mean i say that in jest but it, it really has been a very busy week and i've been quite surprised by how hard you journos work well i hope wow. you've well wow. i know you don't hear that I'll, very I'll often that. i will take that uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed it, Lizzie. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to see you back on your bike um, next I have year. enjoyed it, but I, uh, I am really looking forward to racing next year. And uh, yeah, I want to be back here on the bike and not with you guys. Oh. <laughs> I can tell what will happen next year is we'll come up to you after the finish and we'll ask you a question and you'll just give us like really clipped three word answers, yeah. really short, <laughs> no information, no help whatsoever. You'll be back on the other side of the fence soon enough. No, it's good. Lizzie can be our mole, our mole in the peloton. <laughs> That's what, that's what we need, isn't it? Well, I've had an absolutely lovely week. I think we've got plenty of people. To th I think you've got a few people to thank, Lionel. Well, yeah, because it's not just the three of us who put the cycling podcast together. It's our production team. And this week, our producers have been Will Jones, Adam Bowie and Hugh Owen. And they work really hard uh, gathering together all of the audio that we send over. And they turn the episodes around really quickly. Um, we've been hopefully online before the TV coverage so people can you know, listen to the cycling podcast and, and uh, get a few spoilers um, or save the show until after they've watched the highlights on TV. Um, big thanks to Simon Gill as well who joined us. Uh, he went home yesterday but he's been really helpful 
um, driving us around. I know Lizzie, you know, he's ferried your bike around a little bit. Uh, you, you, you did lock your bike to his steering wheel at one point. <laughs> don't think he had a choice about that, did he? <laughs> and also to my secret researcher, who it turns out has a fantastic singing voice. Um, and also to Alistair Lloyd-Jones and the social media team uh, who post all of our videos and clips and photographs on social media and hopefully have given people a little bit of a behind-the-scenes glimpse of the women's tour this week. But... I must say, it's a race that I would love to come back to again. And I feel like I came in um, a little bit underprepared in the sense that I hadn't... I think I take for granted that a men's race, which I cover all year round, I see a rider, I know who they are, I know the background a bit more. And it's been a, a real learning curve and one that I've really enjoyed. And I'm pretty certain that once, although I watched the women's racing, I didn't feel as emotionally sort of invested in it. But I think after this week, that will certainly change. Well, we should also say uh, a big thank you to our listeners and for everyone who tuned in, subscribed and downloaded these episodes and uh, have sent such lovely... We've had... Well, I haven't seen... No one's showed me any of the bad comments, I guess. Maybe they're just protecting me. But thank you for sending in all your lovely feedback as well um, on our little trip together. Well, a huge thank you to you, Lionel Burney, for being our guiding light throughout this journey. Wow. And thank you to you, Rose, for staying with us. With us. Rose. Thank you for, for not giving birth to your child whilst we were having a very hot curry. We tried to get it out. But. It, it's going to be a relief tomorrow. The first thing that I won't be doing tomorrow is Googling the nearest maternity unit, just in case. <laughs> but You're best safe. of luck with it all, Rose. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for joining me both. Thank you, Lionel. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Lizzie. Thank you both. And that's all from us. Good night. Good night.